This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, happy 2023, and it is a victory Monday on the opening Sunday of the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel up to Minnesota, a place they're very familiar with, at least the old school Buccaneers from playing all those years in the old NFC Central, what's now the NF- NFC North. Uh, the new Buccaneers, though, hadn't played in Minnesota. A lot of these guys hadn't played in Minnesota before, but it's a victory in the loud environment against a playoff team a year ago, the North Division winning uh, Vikings. Uh, tremendous job by a team that was struggling some in the first half, trying to find its way, new offensive coordinator, trying to capitalize on turnovers with points, not really able to do that. But lo and behold, the offense did enough. The defense made play after play, and Chase McLaughlin with a phenomenal 57-yard field goal being talked about all around Tampa Bay and really all around the NFL world. A winning kick from 57 yards out on the road, big time. And the Bucs are off to a 1-0 start. Welcome in. It is our recap podcast for the season, the Nothing But Bucks podcast. I am the somewhat rested, ears finally stopped ringing, host of the program, TJ Reeves from Buccaneers Radio. Love being on the broadcast with Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore. And this is your spot, by the way, if you want a full recap of all the Buccaneer action uh, from the day before, you're going to get it on Nothing But Bucks with highlights from Buccaneers Radio with Gene and Dave. Post-game interviews that I do in the Hooters post-game show, including uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield on this edition, Levante David, the star all-everything veteran linebacker, head coach Todd Bowles. You'll get highlights, you'll get interviews, and at times we'll even have special guests to that end on this edition of Nothing But Bucks. Martin Gramatica, the outstanding Super Bowl winning kicker for the O2 Buccaneers, former Pro Bowl kicker with the Bucs, made a lot of big kicks in his career. He is now on the call on Buccaneers Spanish uh, radio broadcast, Carlos Borjorquez and Martin call the games uh, on 96.1 FM Caliente radio in the Tampa Bay area. We'll get Martin's perspective on the win and most importantly, the winning kick and what it's like to be on the road. And uh, Chase McLaughlin really drove that kick as a low kick uh, from 57 yards out. Martin will give you great insight in a little bit. Here, once we're done with the highlights and the interviews here on the podcast, look forward to hearing from him in a bit. Again, thank you for finding us, however you've done so, through Buccaneers.com, the Buccaneers mobile app, a social media link. You can follow and subscribe to this podcast through the Buccaneers mobile app. You can do so as well through Apple Podcast and the uh, primary podcast outlets, the major ones and the platforms. Again, we're here the day after a Buccaneer game, whenever that is. It's typically Monday, but obviously a Monday night game is looming in a couple of weeks with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the history of the Bucs and the Eagles. So we'll be here Tuesday after that. There's also a Thursday Buccaneer game coming in Uh, a few weeks in October against the Buffalo Bills. We will obviously be here the Friday after that game. So the day after the games is when you get this podcast with nothing but bucks. So great to be with you uh, back for another season, year two of the Todd Bowles era. And again, as we customarily do, we go through the highlights. I give you some insight and analysis from being down at field level. Before we get into the actual highlights themselves here in a few moments, uh, I can say uh, I have been a lot of different places Uh, With a lot of loud environments, the Superdome is always bonkers loud whenever you're there. The old Metrodome was obviously uh, loud. Uh, Seattle for an outdoor stadium is amazingly loud, those fans. And and again, they have acoustic kind of curvature over the two sideline sections of noise to kind of hold it in almost like a dome in Seattle. I mean, they're loud. They're loud venues all over the NFL. Uh, It was loud in Minnesota. I I will say this. They had the public address volume and the music volume up so loud in an indoor building that that I I mean, I'm not trying to make myself out to be that old of a man, but good Lord, uh, when your ears are ringing and your head is hurting in the first half of the game, not just from the crowd noise, but we're going to make the PA so loud that I'm surprised you couldn't hear it back here in the Tampa Bay area, even from Minnesota. We're going to make the music blasting out of the speakers up above the field and on the sidelines so loud that they could hear it in Canada. Uh, In Canada is not that far away from Minnesota, but still uh, it was loud. And the Buccaneers by and large handled it yesterday. Uh, Nice job by Baker Mayfield overcoming what can best be described. Uh, We'll clean it up as best as possible as a shaky start with a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of misfires on throws, 
some plays that were just out of whack in the first half until the two-minute drill when you got in the end zone. And once it locked in from there, you see what the Buccaneers have been seeing this offseason, training camp, preseason, veteran leadership, composure, Mayfield mobile, got some first downs with his legs, kept a couple of plays alive with his feet, and the Buccaneer offense just began to click and did enough. Did enough with touchdowns, put some touchdowns on the board, got the lead at 17-10, to 10, and then complimentary football. Defense helping the offense, offense helping the defense, and then the third facet, the third phase of the game, the kicking game comes through uh, as well. So quite the environment. Uh, again, for Minnesota, a lot of expectation. They won the division a year ago. So uh, they're they're looking to be back in the playoffs. This was not an easy week one challenge with a new offensive coordinator in Dave Canales who had not called plays before, certainly not in Tampa Bay like this, with a new quarterback, a, a practically new offensive line in that four of the players playing are playing in a different position. Two of them are brand new Buccaneers in Matt Filer, the left guard, and Cody Mauk, the right guard. Uh, Luke Gedeke uh, played a little bit at right tackle in the final game last year with Atlanta, but now he's the right tackle. And Tristan Wirfs has never played left tackle in a, in a regular season game. So you had four different offensive line starters out of the five positions with the exception of Robert Hainsey in the middle, the Notre Dame center. So that was a lot to get used to. You're getting used to, to young new players like Trey Palmer at receiver on offense, like Sean Tucker. Then on defense, a player like Jeremy Izian, man, that name is buzzing as the rookie free agent safety making the interception yesterday. But Yaya Diaby is out there as the pass rusher from Louisville. Uh, you you had a lot of young first-time Buccaneers uh, getting in their welcome to the NFL moment in Minnesota. And by and large, these guys were able to help and contribute, and that's a good thing. Uh, here on an opening day Sunday. So as I mentioned, let's get into the highlights. Let's get into what happened. It was a back and forth a battle. Not a lot of offense early on in this game, by the way. Each team punted, and then after the Buccaneers punted, uh, finally the Minnesota Vikings began to go on a drive. They made a couple of plays. Kirk Cousins is obviously a veteran quarterback. Uh, made a couple of throws. Uh, got them into position to score. And then a theme of this first half, the Vikings making mistakes, especially in the red zones. Here you go. Vikings have the ball for the second time. They're knocking on the bucket of your door from the Tampa Bay 25-yard line. Cousins under center, Madison. The ball loose. Ball is loose on the deck. Diving on it, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got the football. Mean Gene Deckerhoff calling it. It was a fumble off the snap. As Cousins was trying to peel out a, a uh, offensive lineman, actually hit his hands, knocked the ball out of his hands. Joe Tryon Shoyenka gets his first career fumble recovery uh, on that play. And these would all add up. I realize it's only the first quarter, but they get no points. No touchdown, and not even a field goal out of that. And the Bucs say thank you very much. But again, the Buccaneer offense really, and, and this was not unexpected. I'm not making excuses. It had some growing pains in the first part of this game. So you're not able to take any advantage, put a drive together, you punt the ball away, you play field position. And then once again, the Buccaneers back on defense and the theme would continue here with yet another takeaway. Kirk Cousin, snap a good one, Bell high blitz coming. He's gonna, he fumbled the football. It's loose, the Bucs have come up with it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers have forced the second turnover of the game and a sack by Antoine Whitfield Jr. Antoine Winfield Jr. with the hat trick playing in the same city where he played his college ball, playing in the same city where his dad played for the Vikings. Not the same stadium. His dad played for the Vikings, obviously, in the old Metrodome. This is now U.S. Bank Stadium going bonkers. But Antoine Winfield with the sack, the strip, and the recovery down on the ground uh, to give the Bucks an opportunity from point-blank range to maybe go in with seven. They're not able to do that. You had the incompletion to Co'Keefe down there, trying to find him down around the goal line. Another Minnesota guy couldn't come up with the ball as the tight end, primarily the blocking tight end. They, they had some chances to try to get him the ball. That one was overthrown. Would have been a touchdown if Baker could have found him. Instead, you line up for the first points of 2023, and that would happen right here. Chase McLaughlin. Made his only field goal attempt in the preseason. This will be a 36-yard field goal. He's got the easy distance, and the field goal will break a nothing-nothing tie as McLaughlin kicks his first field goal as a Buccaneer. We lead 3 to nothing. 
They all add up and matter. The first three were just as important as the final three because it totals up to 20 at the end of the game. I know it's only the first half, but you get on the board, you got something. You would have liked to have had seven, but Chase McLaughlin, who again, speaking of seven, is on his seventh different NFL team uh, and yet continues to persevere, find opportunities and here. Uh, in Tampa Bay, showed, demonstrated rocket leg, not only in the training camp workouts, but also in the preseason, making a 50-plus yard field goal. And uh, and that would be big for later on in this game. And again, we'll talk with Martin Gramatica of the Buccaneers uh, Spanish broadcast analysis about uh, being a, a, a clutch kick like what McLaughlin had. And Martin's been there so many times, he'll tell you what he saw later on in the program. All right, so 3 nothing is the lead. The Vikings would go back on offense and would eventually drive the ball some 83 yards in six plays. Cousins able to hit um, Justin Jefferson for one of those big completions, and then that would eventually lead to the Vikings' first touchdown of the year and them retaking the lead. Here's a snap for Cousins looking downfield. Those a deep ball downfield. Got a receiver in the area. Caught ball by the rookie wide receiver. Jordan Anderson. Anderson catches the ball in stride, and the Vikings take the lead at 6-3. Rookie Jordan Addison from 39 yards out catches them. Looked like a little broken coverage. Confusion in the Buccaneers zone. Who's got Addison? Wait a minute. Nobody's got him streaking down the seam. I know Ryan Neal, the safety, tried to come over, but it was too late. And the Vikings do take the lead for the – I said uh, retake the lead. They took the lead for the first time there at 7-3. Uh, in that second quarter with that drive. And again, the Buccaneers struggle once again to get anything going. Couldn't really get the run game going. Uh, end up punting the ball away. The Vikings end up driving and getting a field goal. Again, the Buccaneers bent but did not break in the red zone repeatedly, getting, uh, getting a stop here. So the Vikings settle for the field goal from Greg Joseph from 25 yards away. And the game remains at 10-3. to and that's when finally the offense would be able to click in at this stage. Uh, and you saw Baker Mayfield almost like a light switch went on, get comfortable and start making plays. The first one was a key third down throw to Chris Godwin. And you can't say enough. Look, I know you want to work other guys in. Rashad White out of the backfield. You were throwing early to KDOT. Uh, you're trying to get the ball in space to Trey Palmer if you can. But Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, we will continue to say this. We know this in the Tampa Bay area. We've been seeing it for years together. It's Mike's 10th season here. Godwin's now up, what, to his fifth season with the Buccaneers. They are, in my mind, the best tandem, the best one-two in the NFL. Somebody might argue another tandem, so maybe they're only in the top two. But uh, you got to start getting those playmakers the ball. And Baker Mayfield realizes this. He's able to get Godwin on a third down, sitting down uh, in the in the Vikings secondary for a third down completion. That got you a little momentum, and it eventually led to the first touchdown of 2023 right here. Second down and 10, crowd loud. Angie at center will snap. Shotgun, look, Baker. Good snap, looking to his left, looking for the ball toward the end zone, toward Evans. He makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, his 82nd. And 28-yard touchdown pass, and the Buccaneers are a point away from tying the game. As Gene called it, 82nd career touchdown for Mike Evans, just building on his all-time touchdown record uh, with the Buccaneers. Uh, kudos to Baker Mayfield, his first Buccaneer touchdown, now on his fourth team. His first Buck touchdown goes to Mike Evans. Uh, Evans also now has tied Anquan Bolden and Reggie Wayne with 82 career touchdowns. Um, and he is also now uh, moving up the list as well in terms of receptions. Would have six receptions for uh, 66 yards in this game. We know the 1,000-yard streak as well is intact. Nine straight years with 1,000 yards receiving. No receiver in the NFL has ever done that the first nine years of their career. So Mike off to a good start. I know there's a lot of conversation about new contract for him, extending the deal. His agent's deadline, the self-imposed Evans deadline, isn't necessarily the Buccaneers' deadline if they come with a big offer. Let's see what happens. But Mike didn't hurt himself at all with making that big play. I know he had a couple of balls later on, one earlier in the game on a long one that he would love to have back, make that play. And the slant pass just didn't come up with it. Uh, later on, but the Bucks still would get a touchdown out of that drive. More on that in a little bit. But still, Mike is many more times than not going to make the huge catch, the acrobatic catch, uh, and they're a much-needed touchdown at the end of the half. I know I talked with Coach Todd Bowles going into the locker room 
about what that momentum meant. He said, hey, we finally just put a couple of plays together. That's what you had to do on that drive. They did put it together. Uh, and when ba- and Baker Mayfield's got time to survey and see Evans breaking downfield or Godwin coming across the middle or Otten coming across the middle being open, that's when you're going to click. Now, the half was not over at 10-10 here, and actually the Vikings would start driving again. They hit Justin Jefferson with a long completion over the middle. I thought it was bang-bang on whether they could have reviewed that it was a fumble or not. You were under two minutes. New York and the command center would have had to come in and say, let's review that play. I never got a good look at the replay, and I haven't seen the TV copy while we're taping nothing but bucks to know for sure. Did they slow it down? Did they show for sure that Jefferson's arm or knee or something was down before the ball popped out? He certainly uh, popped up like he was down. The official was signaling he was down. It was big in that moment because it looked like, again, the Vikings were going to get points out of this. A touchdown, maybe, but probably a field goal. That is until the Buccaneer defense once again showed up large in the red zone late in the first half. Second down and one from just outside the 12-yard line pass. Over the middle, it's a intercepted pass at the goal line. Down the near side, it's Izian, and he's knocked out of the 23-yard line by Justin Jefferson. Christian Izian is a hero with 16 seconds left. Again, the name is Jeremy Izian, who comes up with that interception, and he took it away from the Viking receiver right at the goal line. Great play for the young man out of Rutgers, a rookie free agent starting week one in the Bucks secondary and living up to that. And by the way, Speaking of the officiating, uh, earlier in the game, they had missed on a completion to Cade Otten where he got the ball jarred loose. They ended up calling it incomplete. They they first looked at it and said, is it a fumble or not? Uh, That was a helmet-to-helmet play where the Viking uh, secondary defender lowered the crown of his helmet and came right under Otten's chin. The refs missed that. Scott Novak's crew missed that and should should have at least one pair of eyes seen that and called that. On the Izian interception, I know it's bang-bang and you've got a pick going the other way, but Jordan Addison, or I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson, lined up Izian coming at him and launched at him, left his feet and launched at him and hit him in the head. Would have been a 15-yard penalty. It's a dangerous play. You talk about player safety. He's peeling back to hit a player who doesn't see him in the head while leaving his feet to do it. These are the things that they are using in seminars with the teams and with their own officials to say, you've got to call this. And yet it wasn't called there. Now, would it have made that much different with only, as Gene called it, with only 16 seconds left in the half, you get 15 more yards, you're up near the 40-yard line, something like that, the 38, the 40. I don't know that it would have made that much difference, but still, that's got to be called. So anyway, the Bucks go to the locker room. Again, the Vikings not once but twice went in the red zone and got no points with turnovers. Also, Kirk Cousins sacked and fumbled. That was a Buccaneer red zone opportunity that led to points. All of this adding up, the points that they didn't get, the Buccaneers getting that three earlier in the half, all of this would add up as the game rolled on. All right, so let's go to the second half of highlights here on Nothing But Bucks. And you come out of the locker room and go on a fantastic drive. Uh, you make the adjustments at halftime and you you uh, end up uh, burning 61 yards on the opening drive, or I'm sorry, uh, 75 yards on the opening drive of the second half. 16 plays and nearly nine minutes off the clock. You're mixing the run uh, with Rashad White. You've got some short passing to Godwin um, and, and a couple of others. You're able to you're able to convert a couple of third downs. Um, again, look, it looked very much like the offense that we will expect over the next few weeks with the weapons that Baker Mayfield has, if he has time to throw and you're able to establish that run some, to go 16 plays, 75 yards, and eventually here, as I mentioned, Mike Evans had a chance right in front of me on a slant. If he catches the ball, he probably is in the end zone. He's at least inside the five-yard line, slanting in from the left sideline. Didn't come up with the ball, but undaunted, the Buccaneers take advantage of the opportunity right here to retake the lead. Shotgun look, low snap, caught by Mayfield, looks, Mayfield throw, dart, caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, it's Trey Palmer! Palmer the rookie breaks a 10-10 tie, great throw by Baker Mayfield, thrown a little low, and Palmer does his thing again. And that is rookie Trey Palmer with a touchdown in his first game, Uh, and interesting that he becomes the ninth player in Buccaneer team history to catch a touchdown. 
in his first game played. And that is also his first catch as a Buccaneer to culminate that drive. His first catch is a touchdown in his first game, the first game of 2023 for the rookie who played uh, several years at LSU. was a teammate of Justin Jefferson's actually at LSU from the Vikings, then played one year at Nebraska. And the Buccaneers, boy, that guy looks like a fine right now. The Buccaneers are happy to have Trey Palmer as the third receiver and an explosive player. And now you're back in the lead at 17-10, and you're really feeling at this moment, you've got a great chance to win this game. You're right in the game. Long way to go. Uh, The Vikings then held the ball for a while as well. Over seven and a half minutes, it bleeds into the fourth quarter. They got the benefit. Again, I'm on the official sum, but they, I mean, we're in the regular season. You've had some preseason games. you got to be on this. Uh, They end up calling a pass interference on uh, Jeremy Izzy and down around the goal line. Two things about it. One, Izzy did not really put his hands much on the Viking receiver, which I believe was Addison. But certainly, this is not in dispute. The ball was not catchable. The ball is out of bounds on the sideline, on the white. There's no way. I mean, if, if he'd have been Yao Ming, Addison might have had a chance to get a hand on the ball, but he's not Yao Ming. He's a foot and a half shorter than Yao Ming without the long arms. And they, there was no way he was getting to that ball that fell two yards or three yards onto the white, not in play. So I really, and and it was a delayed call by the back judge throwing the flag. It's not his call. It's the guy that's down on the goal line's call to make that call or not. I just thought that was poor. It was a third down. It would have led the Vikings to kick a field goal. Instead, they end up getting the touchdown as uh, Alexander Madison ends up catching a ball from Cousins with the new set of downs. He bangs it in. They go 16 plays, 75 yards. And how about the first two drives of the second half chew up 16 minutes of clock time into the fourth quarter, 16 and a half minutes, actually, of clock time virtually into the fourth quarter of this game. So uh, the game now 17-17 as we roll on here into the fourth quarter. And the Buccaneers eventually here are able to make enough plays and now here comes a key moment here comes a critical moment where the bucks have the ball there have been an exchange of punts and the buccaneers have the ball they're in their own territory tie game on on the third down play it looked like rashad white might have gotten the first down it was tough to tell from our angle i know tv you've got a better angle they've got the yellow line that's not official but it gives you a good indication so todd bowles is saying look we think we got a bad spot he throws the challenge flag and i thought that was an aggressive move Uh, I liked it because you're trying to get a first down. You're trying to go down and get the lead. And he wasn't about to try to give the ball back uh, to the Vikings again uh, when the Buccaneer defense had done a good job for the most part of slowing down Minnesota over the course of a couple of quarters. So here comes a critical moment. So many plays. There were probably 10 big plays. We've already heard several of them with sack fumble by Antoine Winfield, uh, interception by Izian. Uh, Chris Godwin on that third down in the first half. Mike Evans on the touchdown. Uh, you rebound again with Trey Palmer catching a touchdown. Uh, one big play after another. Well, now it's fourth down and about a foot. Here's the way that Gene and Dave called it on Buccaneers Radio. Fourth down and inches. Remember, Baker Mayfield was not the biggest quarterback, so I don't think you'll see a sneak. Maybe try to draw him offside. What do you think, Rashad White? There's the setback. He's six steps behind the quarterback. Now gets it with about four steps back. Baker Mayfield hits the quarterback sneak by Mayfield. Did he get it? He went off it left guard. Like I think he got the first down. He got it. He actually got it by more than a yard. Didn't get a great spot on that either. The officials were struggling. I know I'm banging on them on day one, but they struggled on a lot of different aspects of this game. Didn't have a great spot on Baker's fourth down, but it is a first down. And you were able to convert another first down later on in the drive and finally get into scoring position. Uh, the drive stalls, and you're going to try now a 57-yard field goal off the logo at midfield, on the road, on the field turf, in the dome, loud crowd. And here is the kick that put the Bucks in the lead as Gene called it on Buccaneers Radio. The snap of Zach Tenner. The spot is down. The kick is airborne. It is long enough. Is it long enough? Is it long enough? It is good. 57-yard field goal. Chase McLaughlin. Welcome to the Buccaneers, big guy. That matches a career-high 57-yarder for Chase McLaughlin, who again was kicking in Indianapolis at the end of last season. Uh, How about he's now 18 of 22 in his career beyond 50 yards. 
And look, we love Ryan Suckup, the Super Bowl winning kicker. Made so many clutch kicks for this team, especially inside the 45. You know, the... Uh, the, you know, the deadly range of somewhere between about 35 and 45, he never missed. But the problem is Suckup didn't have the length. That's not a kick that he's going to be able to make. Not on his best day, not at this point in his career. And the NFL has now gotten to the point where there are so many kickers that can kick him from 54, 55, or in this case, 57 yards. And we'll talk more with Martin Gramatica in a little bit about how low that ball was and the reason it was that low, but it goes through. And you could just tell on the sideline, the belief is now there. The belief is there that the Buccaneers can get this done. And they end up getting a couple of huge plays. One of them has to do with Carlton Davis batting the ball away. Outstanding job by him on a third down that forces the Vikings punt. And then that sets the Bucs into motion here to try to kill the clock. The Vikings trying to use timeouts. In the end, Baker Mayfield scrambles for a first down that helps. You get to the to the just outside the two-minute warning. You now need one more first down on a third and long. And this was the clinching play to be able to kill the clock. The snap good. Bell high the throw. Far side. And it's caught ball. Is it inbounds? It is Godwin. inbounds. And Godwin has a huge catch on third down to 10. Yeah. It's a diving catch on the far sideline. And the Buccaneers catch. can ice this game now. Man, that guy is just clutch. And and one thing that's rather obvious, he is going to be back. You can see this now. Back to the form before that awful injury at the end of 2021 on the cheap shot by the New Orleans Saints defender, P.J. Williams, that tore Chris's knee up, tore his ACL up. It took a, it obviously took a year for him to get back. He was making plays last year for Tom Brady a lot of the time. But now you're you're back to another new season, a second new season off that rebuilt knee, and you're expecting great things from Chris Godwin. What a clutch player. Phenomenal over-the-middle guy, makes the tough catches, will throw blocks, you get him involved in the offense, uh, good things can happen. So at that point, you simply kneel on the ball, run the clock out, and the Buccaneers, for the second year in a row, open up with a win on the road. Last year in Dallas, Todd Bowles, the first two games last year, one at Dallas, one at New Orleans, and now another win to open up the season, this time in Minnesota for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, tremendous uh, performance with so many different guys making plays in this game. And you had to have all of them in a close game, and the Vikings had been fantastic. They won 11 one-score games. At one point last year, they won nine consecutive games by one score uh, in them, 11 total, and the Bucks go into Minnesota and win a 20-17 one-score game. So uh, great to get off to that start. And so many so many pundits everywhere have been talking about uh, nationally. All these prediction uh, places, ESPN, NFL Network, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NBC, uh, online with all the outlets, with Yahoo and CBSSports.com, et cetera, et cetera, all talking about how bad a Buccaneer season it's going to be. And I, I know as a theme, it's one game. If the Bucs had lost, I would be saying to you sitting here, it is a game. There are 17 of them to play. But uh, anybody that believes with the talent on both sides of the ball here, uh, all the talented players, Pro Bowl caliber players, numerous players who were involved in the Super Bowl win three years ago, that this team is somehow only going to be a three-win team. I, I kept seeing three and 14. Three wins? O okay, well, there's one. Uh, and now you're going to host the Chicago Bears coming up Sunday. And by the way, how did they look at home? At against the Green Bay Packers. And that's your home opener. I know next week's a new week. It's a new game. The scoreboard starts 0-0. But you've got a great opportunity with the home opener to be 2-0. and When you had people saying on the record, the Bucs are going to have the worst record in the NFL and win three games. Too much talent. Too much talent. Uh, and, and we shall see. You can't. My my line has always uh, been from golf or anything else. Golf, you can't birdie them all till you birdie the first hole. You can't win them all till you win the first game. Who knows if the Bucks are going to win them all? But now you have a chance to win them all because you won the first one in Minnesota. So twenty to seventeen, it ends when it was done on our Hooters post game coverage. And this is what's going to always be part of nothing but Bucks. You get to hear the highlights from Gene and Dave. And then you get to hear the interviews as well after the game. Baker Mayfield, I got the chance to speak with him after it was done. First Buccaneer game is a Buccaneer win. Let's go to that conversation. 
Well, as you can tell, it is a loud, boisterous locker room as the Bucks have won 20 to 17, and Baker Mayfield stands here immediately after it's done. How did this team get it done? Coming from behind when you had to, getting it done when you had to. Um, honestly, hats off to the defense all all day. That's like a couple offense against uh, all the turnovers they had. We started slow. They were getting, they were doing a good job checking when we were checking with their blitz package. So, got a beat on it. Got some up tempo before the half. Got it accomplished, and then I mean, incredible kick by Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, obviously, just before that is the fourth down play where you got the sneak. How much were you lobbying, or was it already decided you're going to go deep in your own territory? We were going to go for it regardless uh, before they reviewed the spot uh, when Rashad carried the ball the play before. So we were going for it. It was just a matter of who wants it more at that point. You have done this so many times in your career. Here we are in a new setting on the road. It's one game, but what does this say for this team right off the bat when a lot of people have been doubting this team? Um, I mean, honestly, to get a win in a tough environment, really, really tough environment, uh, on the road, it's incredible. doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish, and we'll only get better from here. It wasn't our prettiest by any means on offense, but we'll get a lot better. Your new home is Tampa Bay. There are a whole lot of Buccaneer fans hearing you now or will hear you later. Say something to them. I mean, we're, we're just excited for the ride, to be honest with you. Uh, the limit for this group, this team. we got good leadership. Uh, we're excited about where we're headed, so I'm looking forward to it. Go Bucs. Solid performance, obviously, from Baker Mayfield going 23 of 34 in this one. Or actually, I'm sorry, 21 of 34, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Most importantly, no interceptions. The Vikings were minus three with the turnovers. Baker Mayfield's quarterback rating in his first bucket of your game is a 94.4. You'll take that. Uh, again, he's a guy that won over 40 games in the NFL, took the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs and won a playoff game. So obviously he's got veteran experience. He showed it. He showed up large when the Bucs had to have it. And let's hope that it continues. The momentum continues. We're going to talk to Martine Gramatica about momentum here in a little bit. But there was Baker Mayfield. All right, let's continue after the game was over. Boy, Levante David seemed to be everywhere on the field. We didn't have a highlight of Devin White making 12 tackles in the game at linebacker. Levante was also there, had a couple of big tackles and plays on the tight end. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, for example. Levante took friendly fire, though, from the big defensive tackle. Vita Vea got hammered, got knocked, got knocked uh, sideways after that hit, but was able to come back in the game. We love Levante's intensity, his veteran leadership, uh, and as it turns out, he makes eight tackles in the game, two of them for losses. Here was number 54, now in his 12th season, a Super Bowl champ, Levante David, when this was done. Well, Levante David is here immediately after a 20-17 to 17 win. What a win to come up here and get this. Your thoughts immediately after it's over? Uh, just a grind, man. Grinding out game. That's what the NFL is all about. You know, both teams hashing it out, man. Uh, both sides of the ball playing hard, playing fast through the whole four quarters, through the clock, to the clock stays zero. And uh, a great effort by our guys. Obviously, I'm glad we got the win. Obviously, that's some, some stuff that we could get better at, but we're definitely going to enjoy this one and then move on. There were a lot of big plays in this game, but you go all the way back to the first half where you guys had three different takeaways, two of them in the red zone. How huge does that add up that you kept denying them touchdowns as the game wore on. Yeah, that's something that we always talk about, man. Uh, teams get down there, you know, we can't control that. We can't control that, but once they get down there, you got to be able to get them, take the ball away or uh, kick them to a field goal. So that's our mentality, and we was able to do that. Uh, Izzy came up with a big play down there one time, and then another play, I don't know what happened. I know they fumbled, but uh, definitely a, 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 a full-game effort, man. Like, uh, you know, no, no quit, you know, no quit. That's the clock keep going, man. We're going to keep on grinding. That's what we did. You took friendly fire from Vita Vey and went out of the game. I saw you get up. I've known you long enough that if there is a way you're going to play, you were going to get back out there, right? Right, right, right. Luckily, man, thank God. Thank God, because everybody know how big Vita is, man. So, you know, thank God I was able to get up from it. I went in the tent, did my protocols. Everything went written, went great. But I'll be just going to see how I go for the rest of the week. But so far, so good. You know, and at the end of the day, man, it's a blessing for real. To take something like that and be able to get up from it, you know, it's definitely a blessing.
and one more about what this does. It's one game, but obviously you've come on a road and won a game that a lot of people think you didn't, weren't going to win, and it's against a playoff team. What does this do one weekend to give you a little confidence and come back home and play the Bears? Yeah, first thing first, we was a playoff team too. You know what I'm saying? So we know what it takes to get there, and you know how these, how important these road games is, especially these. Uh, these conference games, these NFC conference games, and we know there's a tough opponent. Take your hat off to them, but we was able to fight it through and get the win. So it's just one game. You know, we're going to go back to the drawing board, work it out, and get ready for next week. Levante, thank you. Thank you. A 20-17 to victory, and the defense able to make play after play. Takeaways when the Vikings had gotten in the red zone. Stops in the second half, two stops in the fourth quarter on drives, including the last one, including this guy as we continue from our Hooters postgame show uh, coverage and the interviews. Carlton Davis knocked that ball away from Jordan Addison on a key third down with about four and a half, five minutes left, whatever it was. Vikings forced a punt for fourth and long. Uh, and, and Carlton Davis spoke with me afterwards about that play and what this defense did on opening day against the Vikings. Well, a 20 to 17 win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We are live on Buccaneers Radio with Carlton Davis, a man that made one of several big plays. Let's jump right to it. Third down. They're trying to keep the ball to maybe tie with a field goal. You broke it up. Describe the play. Uh, they had ran out that play earlier in the game, and I just felt like it was coming. It was the same formation, and we was in a certain coverage that didn't that I wasn't man to man with him, but my instincts just kicked in. I said, I got to make this play for third down so we could get the ball back to our offense and hopefully close out the game. So this was a game of so many plays. What should not get lost, we were just talking to Levante about this, three takeaways in the first half and two of them uh, actually in the red zone when they were trying to score. It turns out to be big that you end up there plus three. That was huge for us, man. Those turnovers played a huge role in our game. Uh, you know, shout out to our rookie, man, Izzy, coming away big turnover and then the force fumble we had it was just a great game for our defense man we came and we showed out how about coach Todd Bowles says I believe in you Buccaneers we're going to go for it on fourth and a foot at your own 34 yard line and then Chase McLaughlin with a booming 57 yard field goal for the lead coming up clutch both of those situations were clutch I mean it's a team sport and everybody made plays when they needed to uh with the field goal with uh us going for it on fourth down it's just a team that you can't count out and it's a team that we're going to fight to the end. And on that note, to come up and get a road win before the home opener like this, what a great start to the season. You're a veteran. It is only one game, but how much does this lift you up? It's a huge momentum, momentum game, knowing that the Vikings is a really good team. They had a great record last year, got a lot of great players. So for us and our confidence going forward, we're just a train and we're just getting started. Carlton, thank you. No problem. You want some more stats about the takeaways and how big a deal it has been? The Buccaneers still remain in the top five in the NFL since 2019 in takeaways with 105 of them going back to the beginning of the 2019 season, trailing New England with 118 and uh, being right behind the Bills and the Cowboys for third place as uh, the Cowboys had not played on Sunday night uh, for the stat and the Cowboys did get some turnovers in the game with the Giants, obviously, in that blowout win. And then the Bills play on Monday night as we release the podcast. But the Bucks are right there in takeaways. They have been under Todd Bowles since he got here in 2019 in overall takeaways. And now the Buccaneers still lead the NFL, lead the NFL since 2019 in points off the takeaways, off the turnovers, as they now have 393 points off the takeaways. Again, that's through the early games. Uh, yesterday, the Cowboys got more points off the takeaways, but they were trailing the Bucks by 14 uh, total points since 2019. The Buccaneers, 393 points off of takeaways. That's a lot, being able to convert them. By, by the way, back to Antoine Winfield, again, uh, playing in the old stomping ground of Minnesota where he played his college football. That's now 10 career sacks for him. That's the most for any Buccaneers safety ever. In their career, 10 sacks for a safety is the most ever. Winfield is also the only defensive back in the last three seasons and one game to have 10 or more sacks, five or more forced fumbles, and five or more fumble recoveries in less than four seasons. So uh, it's it's pretty wild that he's been able to, to amass that out of the safety position. 10 sacks is a bunch. It uh, it leads uh, all other active players like Jamal Adams, Donovan Wilson of Dallas, Brandon Jones of Miami uh, on the sack list for safeties. 
uh, and what they have been able to do uh, so far. So Winfield looking more and more like a gem of a second round pick as they got him in the Super Bowl season in 2020. And he's continued uh, to blossom. And I know he was glowing. I know his father used to play for the Vikings, but I can tell you this, Papa Winfield is now a Buccaneer uh, with his son uh, getting it done. So uh, kudos to Antoine Winfield. As you can imagine, Todd Bowles, a happy head coach, second year in a row again, a road victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Todd Bowles as the head coach. Here were some of his thoughts on our Hooters postgame coverage after the win in Minnesota. 20-17 to 17 is our final, and the coach is here with us in Minneapolis after this one is done. What a finish. What a win. Your thoughts immediately after it's over on coming up here to Minnesota and beating the Vikings. Tough place to play. Uh, we were gritty throughout the ball game. It wasn't a pretty win. We understood that. We grinded it out, made some plays at the end. Uh, hats off to the guys. They fought. They believed in each other, and we came out on top. All right, let's go right to the end sequence. A big moment where it's fourth down and about a foot uh, with about probably about five minutes left in the game. Uh, we just talked to Baker Mayfield. He said, I, I would have wanted to go for it. Were you contemplating we're going for it if it's anywhere close there, and eventually you do go for it with the sneak and get it? I thought we had it, and if we didn't have it, I planned on going for it. You can't come up here this far and try to play to play close. you got to go for the win, and we picked our shot in time when to do it, and it paid off for us. You burn some clock, and then it comes down to a 57-yard field goal attempt for Chase McLaughlin, and he banged it through. Kind of a line drive, but it had more than enough leg. What was your vantage point? And obviously now you're in the lead late in the game. Had a good vantage point. You know, Coach Armstrong told me he's been banging them out there in pregame. He was banging them all week, and we felt confident in him going out there, and he came through. And speaking of coming through, you made play after play at the end of this game, including Carlton Davis on the third down. That's going to be scrutinized a bunch. He makes a tremendous effort to keep Addison from getting the ball on what would have possibly been a first down. Say something about that veteran player and coming up huge there to force them to punt. It's a credit to those guys understanding the situation of football and stepping up when it's time to step up. Carlton saw it. Uh, he sat on it and broke it, and he made a heck of a ball play. And then Chris Godwin gets the catch on the third down, and you're kneeling on the ball. Overall, defensively, you had to be happy with three takeaways in this game, and for the most part, you limited them. You kept them without points, uh, only one touchdown in the whole second half. I know you've not seen tape, but overall, what are you pleased with with the defense? Uh, just their scrappiness. You know, we got the three turnovers. We knew Justin was going to get some plays, but we kept him out of the end zone. So that was big for us. Uh, I think they were one for three in the red zone. That turned out to be huge for us as well. Uh, those guys just, they played tough. They limited the running game. So limiting the running game takes away a lot of their play action. So we're very happy about that part. A couple of more. Dave Canales, first-year offensive coordinator. Offense seemed to get into a flow as the game went on. Um, what's your takeaway here for an offense that did put puts on the board when it mattered? Uh, great adjustments at halftime. He stayed with the game plan. He stuck with it. They made tweaks. The communication was great. Nobody flinched and came out with a win. I thought Dave, for his first game out, did a heck of a job. Baker Mayfield, 21 of 34 for 174 yards, unofficially two touchdowns. Again, you've not seen tape, but assess how you thought he played, his composure as the game went on in the throws. I thought he played a very tough football game. I thought we were tough-minded. I think you got to have the gritty plays. You don't have to throw for the most yards. You just have to make the plays when they count. I think he shows up big when plays count. Two years in a row, the Todd Bowles-led Buccaneers go on the road and win the opening game. Last year in Dallas, now in Minnesota. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Clutch performance again for this team to go on the road. And, and you look at how bad, for example, the New York Giants were at home. I know you had the emotion of 9-11, et cetera, but the Cowboys were frothing. They were ready to play. Blocked field goal for a touchdown. Interception for a touchdown. Daniel Jones played poorly. They got blown away. You look at the Steelers, who were so good in the preseason. What is preseason football worth? The 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers get dump trucked uh, by San Francisco yesterday. Blown away. Steelers didn't have a first down until the two-minute warning yesterday. They did eventually put a couple of touchdowns on the board, but Christian McCaffrey, the long touchdown run. Brock Purdy has still got the magic throwing the football right now. Yet another win for him. That is what nine straight regular season wins now for him with at least two touchdowns in all of those games, two touchdowns thrown. So Purdy back off the elbow injury looked great. We'll see the 49ers later in the year. But you you look at how bad the Houston Texans were 
uh, yesterday. Carolina's going to have a long year. Atlanta handled them in the division in the NFC South in Atlanta. Arizona's going to have a long year. I know they had the lead for part of the game in Washington, but they've got to get Kyler Murray back healthy. I just I can't go along that the Buccaneers are in the same category with the Panthers and the Texans and the Cardinals. And my God, off of what we saw the Giants look like last night, I know they were a playoff team a year ago, but good Lord. Uh, even Geno Smith in Seattle without Dave Canales as his quarterback coach, he looked shaky for a lot of that game uh, with the Rams. They let the bad L.A. Rams from a year ago blow them out in Seattle, 30-13. to 13. So again, you go on the road and you're able to get the win on the road. Now you come back with the home opener. you got to be feeling good if you're the Buccaneers. There is no doubt. All right, more on that home opener in a few minutes. As mentioned, though, earlier in the podcast, here is a conversation that I was looking forward to having. As soon as Chase McLaughlin knocked that field goal through, I said, i got to find my man, Martin Gramatica, to talk to me about it, dealing with the pressure, being on the road. Who better to speak to it than Automatica Gramatica from the Buccaneer teams of the late 90s and the early 2000s in a Super Bowl win? Uh, he's now part of the Spanish broadcast. So uh, Martin and I spoke on Monday in the aftermath of the win on all subjects, the importance of the win, the how big that kick was, and much more. As I promised earlier, who better to tell me about Chase McLaughlin from 57 yards out than the man known as Automatica Grammatica? Hello, Martin Grammatica on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh, hey, as you and you and Carlos do such a great job, and Santiago Grammatica. We got more kicking Grammaticas than we know what to do with on Caliente 96.1 FM. And I know you guys were going crazy in Espanol on the field goal that eventually won the game. Good to have you on the Monday after a Buccaneers win. Oh, man, what what a win, not just a win. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody expected it, and I know I know us fans did, but uh, a lot of them were kind of worried because Minnesota's a great team, but uh, Chase, what a – I mean, that – that's a, as big a kick as we've had in a while. And I know Ryan Suckup has done a phenomenal job. Um, I mean, his consistency and his accuracy was insane. Uh, but now having someone that can go deep from that far, I think it helps the offense know that, you know, listen, we, we get the ball to the uh, to the 40, we have a chance. That's a huge difference having to get it to the 25, you know, or the 40. So that was huge. That was a big kick. And I'm, I'm happy that, uh, that that those three points won us the game. As a Super Bowl winning kicker, Pro Bowl kicker throughout your career, take me to that moment. What are you thinking about, especially on an extra long field goal like Chase was? Well, it's you know it's one of those kicks that you, as a kicker, you kind of don't have anything to lose, you know, because it's so long that if you miss, well, it's fifty-seven, you know, it, you know, so it's not something that anybody really expects you to make a hundred percent of the time. So it's a little bit less pressure knowing that it's one of those where I'll just let it rip. And hope it gets there, you know, and just in, and he had plenty of leg and actually could, could had leg to spare. So, um, but you do, you do want to make every kick, obviously. But in, in this case, I think you, it's a little bit less pressure because of the length. Now, if it's one of those between 40 to 49 that you're supposed to make, and those are probably a little bit harder, uh, but he crushed it. I mean, down the middle, uh, plenty of leg. I was standing there on the sideline just to the right of the Buccaneer bench. And I said, Martin, that looks like my two iron on a golf course. It was about 50, 60 feet off the ground and a bullet. Almost by design, he knew I need to drive this. Listen to me sounding like I'm a kicker. I need to drive this lower as opposed to the angle going up higher. Did it look like that was the mentality to you because you've done this at the highest level? Well, yeah, especially in a dome because you don't have any assistance of the wind. Now, if you're outside and you have a little breeze at your back, you can afford to hit it up high and let the wind kind of carry it a few more yards. In this case, it's 100% leg. There's no assistance, no help. So, um, I mean, Chase obviously knew that he had to drive it a little bit more and, and had plenty of distance. The thing is, and that's a great point, TJ, the guys did a great job blocking because now you know that the linemen in, up front in the, in the center, you have to get a perfect snap, but also – You've got to make sure they don't get their arms up because, or, or get any pushback. If they if they get any pushback, now just by raising their arms, the ball's going to have a, a lower trajectory, so it's going to get blocked. So in this case, uh, uh, hands down, everybody did a great job from the long snapper to holder, and then obviously the kick and, the, and everybody protecting them because you've got to have even better protection when it's a longer kick like that because it's, it is going to be driven a little bit lower. No doubt about it. A few more moments with Martin Gramatica. Gracious to be here. Again, he and Carlos Bojorquez call the Buccaneer games in Spanish, 96.1 Caliente FM in the Tampa Bay area. All right, so I don't want to sell you short on your analysis of the overall win. 
So I've been saying this already on the podcast when you came on. So many big plays made on both sides of the ball, including the kick in special teams. So many big plays. Tell me what you saw out of this team when called upon over and over again, whether it's a, a key Baker Mayfield scramble, whether it's Carlton Davis knocking the ball away on a key third down, Chris Godwin, the catch on a key third down. They kept making play after play after play, didn't they? Tell me more about that. No, I saw a team that wanted it, you know, and you could tell they wanted it. They wanted to come home with a, a victory, and it, and it was from the first play of the game when Anton Winfield just, I mean, pretty much destroyed uh, Kirk Cousins. That sent a message right there, like, we're coming after you. And we even talked about it in, in the pregame. Um, you know, the only way to stop Kirk Cousins is applying pressure. If you sit back, you're not going to be able to defend those receivers. Uh, they, they have too much speed and they have too much talent. So you've got to send the pressure and and that's what the Bucs did defensively. Now, offensively, we did. I was worried a little bit when we did have those turnovers and we weren't turning them into touchdowns because you knew eventually Minnesota was going to turn it up and 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 basically adjust to what the Bucs were doing. Um, but then Baker took over in the fourth quarter about that. My my favorite run was the one where he stiff armed the, the the defender and <laughs> just sent a message. I think as, as a player, you'd love to see your quarterback do that because it sends a message like, look, if he's putting his body in the, on the line, why, how should I not? You know, because uh, it's, it's not normal for a, for a quarterback to stiff arm a defender. So uh, I love that attitude. I love uh, that Mike got his touchdown. Chris Godwin's uh, reception was mm. amazing. That, that's a that's that's a huge catch because now, you know, we think about it. Oh, it's, a, it's another reception. No, it's not. You either have to attempt a field goal or maybe punt and try to pin him down. So. That would have given Minnesota another chance to come back. And then you never know in two-minute offense. You know, Kirk Cousins could, could have had an off day, but now in two-minute kicks it up. They have a decent kicker with a strong leg, so they could have tied it up. So that was a huge, huge reception by Chris Godwin. But I, I think overall, um, everybody played well and everybody wanted it. That's where I feel like I take out of this game. Todd Bowles uh, was saying after this game and said it to us on Buccaneers Radio, the second half, the halftime adjustments, how big a deal do you think that was to settle everything down, go over some things on, on a still photo or on video, and then make adjustments? How big? That was huge because, you know, a lot of the starters don't play much in the uh, preseason. So they don't have that chemistry. Uh, they don't have the the, the the momentum yet or the uh, – yeah, basically the chemistry with each other. So – being able to sit back, relax a little bit, kind of, you know, bring the uh, the excitement level down. Because the first game of the year, you're always going to be ultra boosted up and excited. So it kind of relax a little bit and then go step by step and, and, and go back to the fundamentals. I think that was huge. And the adjustments were great because we saw improvement, especially on the offensive side. The defensive side, I thought we were uh, – played really good from the beginning till the end. So I thought the defense uh, – but now I think the biggest adjustments were more done offensively. I like I like that we were aggressive. You know, we weren't running on first down every time. We weren't running into our center and, and bouncing back. Uh, it was very unpredictable what the Bucks were going to do, and that's what we need. You know, we, we we need to be unpredictable. You know, if 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 us that we don't know what we're doing can call what type of play you're calling, then you know, <laughs> right? So <clears throat> I like the fact that we were very unpredictable on offense. Yes, varying that up. Just a couple more, and then I know you got to get out of here, and we do as well yeah. on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh, you you obviously can speak to this. I mean, the two times this team won the Super Bowl, didn't win the first game of the season, lost at home to New Orleans, your Super Bowl year, lost in New Orleans the 2020 crazy year with Tom Brady in the first game. There are other examples, like I, I often cite this, Carolina one year in the, uh, in the 90s won the first game and then lost the next 15 games. So you got to be careful about one game and the first game. Of course you wanted to win it, but we really shouldn't read too much good or bad into just a game, the beginning game, right? Generally, no, that's that's absolutely right, uh, TJ. I mean, the, the, it's a long season now, especially with seventeen games. A lot could happen. Uh, the key is you have to stay healthy. That's the biggest key, and that goes for every team because there's a reason why these players are the starters. Obviously, a lot of times when the backup comes in, there is a little bit of a drop off, but. You have to stay healthy, but you can't. We can't overreact whether you win or lose the first game. There's still teams that are gelling or not gelling enough yet, um, and that's the thing. You know, I think once you get into like week five or six is when everybody shows their true colors because you know. You have, are you telling me the Chiefs are pretty much done for the season? <laughs> you know, they're not. So <laughs> that's that. That's why we don't want to overreact one way or the other. But I think 
the message that the team sent is that they're going to fight till the end and they're going to fight for every, it, it reminded me a lot of the old school bucks where the defense kind of kept every, the team, uh, you know, in the game. And then the offense just kicked it up when they needed to, to get a few points to get to win the game. So uh, it worked here before in the past. So I, I, I feel like, you know, why not have that type of identity? Well said. And this is a man that won many a big Buccaneer game. You still kicked one of the most incredible field goals uh, in Buccaneer history in Miami. You know what I'm talking about in the pouring rain, about 49 yards off the right hash to win the game. Incredible kick. He would know about clutch kicks. And I can't wait uh, to, for the home opener. I know you, Carlos, and Santiago can't wait. Home opener with Chicago coming this week now. We can't wait. One more time, right? Oh no, no! Especially uh, the way Chicago played, they look very beatable. So I just, I just don't want the, you know, we, we just can't relax and, and assume that it's going to happen. You, you've got to play every weekend. You've got to bring your A game. But now it's, it's, it's a good opportunity for the Bucks to be two and zero after, after Chicago. There's no question about that. And there's no question that I love this man's insight. I put the bat signal up, as I like to say, he delivers on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Uh, Martin, thank you. As always, I look forward to being around you and Carlos and Santiago all season long for the calls in Spanish. Uh, we appreciate it in English here. I have a feeling you were going crazy. Uh, you were letting out a, a couple of yells on that Chase McLaughlin field goal, and rightfully so, as it's a win. Oh, Martin, I thank you, but my friend, as hey. always. We like hanging out with you more than you like hanging out with us. I promise you that because we pick your brain before every game. and we My get men. Mi amigo, hey, we, mis amigos. My men. We, we go over it all, and then we have a blast doing <laughs> butt games, and it'll be a lot of fun. Martin, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the time and the analysis. Hi, right, buddy. Take care. And the Buccaneers Spanish broadcast will be on the air as well this Sunday for the 1 o'clock kickoff with the Chicago Bears and the 2023 home opener. Again, we thank Martin for his time. He and Carlos and Santiago Gramatica, his brother who kicked for the University of South Florida, down on the sideline with me as the third member of that broadcast crew. So look forward to being with all of those guys for the home opener here in a little bit. I know they were going crazy on Caliente 96.1 FM for the win. All right, so that will just about do it. Again, the Packers wiped out the Bears, Justin Fields and company, in their opening game at Soldier Field. So there's uh, obviously a lot of angst in Chicago. They wonder if it's going to be yet another bad year. Remember, the Brady-led Bucks wiped out Justin Fields and the Bears in the 2021 season on, on the way to a 13-win year in the division title. So now the Bears are back here in the rotation with the NFC North. Let's see what happens in this uh, in this upcoming matchup on Sunday as Justin Fields and company come in here for the a game against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, 1 o'clock is kick time. Noon, we're on the air on 98 Rock, the Buccaneers radio network, Buccaneers mobile app, Sirius XM. Tune in all the different ways that you can hear Buccaneers radio and Gene and Dave calling it. I'll be there adding some things from the sideline and part of the postgame coverage, pregame coverage, postgame po uh, coverage as well. And uh, as always, uh, here, you get nothing but bucks on the day after games. Typically on Monday, again, a Monday night game looming early in the year. We'll be here on Tuesday after the Monday night game. But typically, you get all of the coverage uh, right here on the day after. Highlights, interviews, my insight and analysis. Hey, take the win. Like we were saying with Martin, it's not everything. And the two Super Bowl years, you lost to the New Orleans Saints in both of those years in the opening game and still went on to win the Super Bowl. And the Buccaneers have had some other years where you've won the opening game and then you've faltered and ended up having a 10-loss season. So it's not everything that you won this first game in Minnesota, but a statement early on made on the road, a statement that other teams were not able to make uh, on the road in their different matchups. So give uh, Todd Bowles' team credit. Uh, obviously, Dave Canales' first game as a play caller, Baker Mayfield, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin coming up with big plays. Defensively, again, Devin White everywhere uh, in that game. Antoine Winfield large, Carlton Davis large. So many plays that the Bucs were able to make. And we've enjoyed bringing it to you as part of the Nothing But Bucks recap podcast. For now, that will do it on this edition of the program. Again, uh, my thanks as always, Jason Berenger, helping me with the highlights and with the interviews. Jeff Ryan is our director of broadcasting. Again, Bucks and Bears coming this Sunday in the home opener, 1 o'clock at Raymond James Stadium. Cannot wait to get things underway at Raymond James Stadium with a chance to be 2-0. Again, you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. You can't be 2-0 if you don't win the first one. The Bucks won the first one in Minnesota. Now we'll have the game with the Bears coming this Sunday. We're on the air at noon with the pregame network coverage on 98 Rock with Ronnie Lane, Pat Donovan, and everybody uh, giving you the pregame coverage on the Buccaneers Radio Network, the mobile app. 
and all the other outlets kick off at one and then obviously whatever happens we are back here hopefully talking another victory monday hopefully talking a 2-0 start after the game with the bears on nothing but bucks follow or subscribe to this podcast through the buccaneers mobile app through all the podcast outlets you'll get it automatically if you do that whenever it is ready usually about lunchtime on monday like it was today it will be ready to go give or take uh, depending on the lateness of the hour, the night before for a game, depending on travel, typically there about lunchtime. I love doing this. I love recapping Buccaneer football with the highlights and the interviews. I hope you love it as much as we do. Share it out. Share it out on social media, etc. For all of us here with Buccaneers Radio, I'm TJ Reeves. A successful start to 2023, and we've been talking all about it on the latest edition of Nothing But Bucks.